start our service today, I need to tell you that you're going to feel a little bit of the 20 years of youth ministry that I was involved in today, okay? And I'm not going to apologize for that. Some of you like are going to be like, yes, I want to go back to youth ministry, and so that's great. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't want to go back there at all. That's totally fine. But by doing that, we're going to start out by playing a game, all right? Now, this game is not going to require you to come up on stage and defend Christmas songs, anything like that that we did a couple weeks ago. All you're going to have to do is stand up in a moment. Or if you can't stand, you can raise your hand because that's just easier for you. What I'm going to do is I have a coin here. And you're going to have to decide whether when I flip it, it's going to land on heads or tails. It's that simple, okay? You can tell someone next to you if you're worried about like being honest, okay? You can tell them so that way, you know, they can hold you accountable. And if you're wrong, you're going to sit down. If you're right, then you continue to stand up. And we're going to see who can make it through five times in a row, getting it correct every single time. If you do, then you are a winner and you can pat yourself on the back or whatever. Bragging rights, whatever you want to do. Smack talk in the hallway. That's what you can do, okay? So why don't you go ahead and stand up or you can raise your hand being that you are up at this time and I am going to simply flip this coin here. So if you need to tell someone whether this first one's going to be heads or tails, you can do that. And here we go. Starting off the game. I know you're nervous. I can feel it. Here we go. It starts off being a tail. So if you said heads, you're down right off the bat. Okay. It's about half. That's probably there. All right. Second round. Is it heads or tails? Here we go. It is a head. Okay. So if you went both ways, but the rock way, good job. All right, we're round three. Heads or tails? It is a tail. All right, so we've gone back and forth here. Round number four. You guys that are standing have two rounds to make it to be the winner. Here we go. Heads or tails? It is a tail. Okay. All right, we have a couple still standing for the final round. We, oh, I dropped it. That's not good. <laughs> All right, I'm going for it. Oh, I got it. Thanks, Bethany. All right, see, do not call on me if you need a professional flipper. I'm not that. Here we go. Last one. Heads or tails? It is a tail. So tails is it. Who ended up winning? Raise your hand if you're still up. Very good. Congratulations for all the rest of you. Guess better next time. I don't know. Okay, so we just played this game, and as I mentioned at the very beginning that we're playing a game, I wonder how many of you automatically began to get nervous. Like maybe you began to feel a little anxiety going, oh man, I do not want to do this because I don't know what's going to happen. Some of you guys heard what we're doing, and then we're playing, you're like, yep, this is totally okay. But maybe as the game kept going, you're like, I really want to get out because I don't want to be standing and everyone looking at me. And maybe you felt some of those feelings. Some of you are like, nope, I wasn't nervous whatsoever about that game, which is totally cool. But here's what I want you to know. Today we're talking about the storm of anxiety, all right? This idea of anxiety and this thing that so many people struggle with to some level. And uh, as we do that, I want to start out just by telling you some different words that kind of tie into anxiety. So the first word would be fear, all right? Fear. And that is this emotion that we have that alerts us to possible danger, all right? So something may be happening, and so I feel this fear because I'm at least aware that something may happen, okay? And then there's this word called stress, all right, some of you guys, oh, I know exactly what that is. But it is that emotional strain on your body because of said fear. And sometimes it's immediate, and sometimes it's something that is over time, and you just begin to feel this stress. And that stress can often kick us into either fight or flight mode. The idea that I'm going to fight, I'm going to protect myself, something like that. I'm going to make sure that people know that I'm right, or I'm just going to leave the situation. I'm just going to shut down. I'm not going to say anything else. So stress can often lead us into that situation. 
There's a word called concern. Okay, again, you've heard concern, but it's this mental activity that we see a problem and we again begin to figure out how we're going to resolve it. Okay, usually with concern, it's not just like, oh, this is bad. You begin to think about what could we do to be able to fix this? It doesn't mean that we always go there. Okay, sometimes we think about it, what could we do to fix this? But something else bigger comes up and we just kind of push it to the side. But concern, at least we begin to see a problem and we want to be able to fix it. All right, then we have these, this word called worry. All right, and worry again has to do with our mind, but at this point, sometimes there are these uncontrollable images or uncontrollable thoughts that continue down a road, and we continue to play what if and what if and what if, and what originally was something small ends up being really, really big. And then there's this word anxiety, which is kind of a mixture of all of those things together. It's not just our mind, though. It really is our entire body. And so it can be intense, and you can have this huge apprehensiveness, and it feels like there's this impending calamity. Like you feel like you have no control. You feel like the walls are closing in. And in this moment, like when you're done, you are completely drained, and you might even be immobilized. Like I can't move. I don't even know what that next step is. So sometimes anxiety can have that big of a toll on us. As we're talking about anxiety, I think it's important for us to know that it's not a sin. Like sometimes within the church, we can talk about things that maybe don't look healthy or whatever. We're like, well, well, anxiety, it's got to be this sin, but it's not. Anxiety in and of itself is not a sin. It is a symptom. It's a symptom of something greater that's going on, or it's a signal. I've heard someone say it's kind of like your check engine light in your car, that when that comes on, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's telling you there's something going on in the car, and that's what anxiety is. It's telling you that there is something greater, and so when we're talking about anxiety, it's important for us to look at the root issue and not just the symptom. Now, I would also tell you this. With anxiety in and of itself, it's not a sin, but if we're not careful, it can lead to sinful behavior. Like if we're not aware of it, we're not watching it carefully, it can cause us into doing some things, some coping mechanisms that are not healthy whatsoever. And so we do have to be cautious that it doesn't lead us into that. But again, as we're talking about anxiety, like if I mention that word and you know, man, I feel like this way, can I tell you that if you struggle with anxiety to any degree, that it doesn't make you a bad person? It doesn't mean that your parents did anything wrong. It doesn't mean that you're a bad Christian or even a lesser Christian. It simply means that you're human. If you feel anxiety whatsoever, it means that you are human. In fact, doing different kind of studies, most will tell you that about two out of three American adults would tell you within the last week they felt some level of anxiety. If you start talking to college students and high school students, that number is closer to 90% would tell you I felt that. And numbers after COVID, like since COVID began, anxiety levels have gone up 25%. It is something that a lot of people deal with. And you might go, why? Like, why do we struggle with this? And again, there's a lot of different answers that I can't tell you all of them, but let me give you quite a few things. The first thing that might be a reason why you struggle with anxiety is our own identity. Like, we're struggling with who we are. And sometimes that can come from even when we're in middle school, high school, trying to figure out who we are and then wondering how other people are judging us and thinking about us. And so we struggle with that. Or even as we grow older, we're like, I don't know about this about myself or I'm not confident in myself. And so again, what other people think can mean a big deal to us. And so that can cause anxiety in who we are and what we're going to do. Sometimes the reason that we feel anxious is because of certain threats that are out there. Like maybe it's verbal threats towards us or you just feel that something might happen to you or your family. And so that causes this anxiety to rise. It might even be rejection going, well, what if this happens? And so I begin to feel that. And so it causes it to rise within you. Another reason that we feel anxious is because of conflict. 
Like very few people love conflict, you know, being involved. We'd rather kind of sweep it under the rug, but you're in the middle of some sort of conflict and how am I going to deal with this? And sometimes the conflict can even be a choice between two good things. I don't know if you've ever been in that spot where someone in your family says, where should we eat? And there's like two things given and you're like two good choices, but you don't know. And you actually begin to feel anxious about where we're going to go because there's this conflict of where we're going to eat. So sometimes we begin to feel anxious simply because of conflict. Another reason that we feel anxious, a big one, is because of past hurts. And it might be words that someone said to us. It might be actions that someone did to us. It might be some needs that we had that went unmet. Or it might even be a choice that we made, some actions that we did in the past that now we're feeling guilty for. And so that just causes anxiousness whenever we begin to think about that again or what that looks like for us in the future. Another reason we struggle with anxiety sometimes is because we have unrealistic expectations. I don't know how many of you ever feel like you have to be a perfectionist, and if you take one misstep, like you've just failed the whole thing. But sometimes that's the way it is. We feel like everything has to go perfect or it wasn't worthwhile, and that causes unneeded stress. Or another reason would be is when you feel like you have to be in control of everything. Okay? I don't know how many people out there like, I got to be in control. In fact, it says that most people, or not most, people who have this control issue, struggle with identity, or not identity, but anxiety more than those who are just kind of laid back. You know what? I kind of go with the flow, but man, if I have to be in control and something's not going the way that I want it to, automatically that anxiety level goes up. Another reason that we feel uh, full of anxiety in our society is because we have so much on our plates. And I don't mean our Thanksgiving plates that we're talking about this week, but like our plates, how much do you have going on? And then all of a sudden, you have a kid coming home telling you, um, I need three dozen cookies by tomorrow. You know, you have someone at your job saying, hey, this project now needs to be done in two days, and you haven't even started. And all of a sudden, you're looking at it going, I don't know where I'm going to find time to do all this. And the anxiety levels rise. You know what? Another reason that sometimes we struggle with anxiety in our society is because of the amount of information that we have available to us. Like, if you were to think back maybe 15 years, how many of you, like, sat down going at 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock, I'm going to watch the news to find out what's going on in the world? And yet today, that's not the way it is at all. Like, maybe you still sit down, but, like, there's all these uh, things on the Internet that you can find out or all these updates that, like, tell you um, what's going on or you quickly hear things from people. And so it's not like I'm waiting for this time. And so you're continually finding out thing after thing after thing, which a lot of them can be negative in some sort. And so all of a sudden, man, this information is here and you don't know what to do with it. In fact, I read a statistic that said like our technology has grown, grown as much within the last 30 years as it had the 300 years prior to that, but our minds have not been able to keep up with it. And so all of this information comes in and we don't know just how to process it. And so what happens is that our bodies just feel very anxious. Anxiety. You know, I remember a sermon that I heard when I was in college. I couldn't tell you all the numbers, so I've done research this week again looking to see what the studies say. But I remember them talking about the amount of stuff that you and I worry about or think about that never comes true. And so in the studies that I looked at this week, it would tell you that 85 to 91% of the things that you worry about will never happen. Like 85 to 91% of the things that you think about, that you worry about, that causes you anxiety never happen. In fact, in a sermon that Craig Rochelle said, he said, you know what, 85% of the time we struggle with these things that never happen, but 100% of the time it causes you to lose peace. 
Like how much time and effort have we lost because we've struggled with something that never happens? Let me break down those numbers just a little bit more. Then in those studies, the next you know, large percentage will tell you, okay, there are some things that happen, but when it happens, it wasn't a big deal. You're like, oh, you know what? You've been stressing about a conversation that you were gonna have and it went just fine. You were stressing about a test and it was much easier than you thought. And so the large majority of that next section, things that we worry about, things that bring us anxiety, when it happens, it's not a big deal. Only 3% of the stuff that we worry about really happens and was worth spending a lot of time thinking about, trying to figure out how are we going to deal with that. Man, 97% of the stuff that we worry about Ultimately, I don't want to say just doesn't matter, but we give it way too much credit in our life. And so we lose so much of our emotional time and our future. And man, maybe it's finances, whatever it is, we lose those things because we've given it a space that it really never deserved in our lives. You know what, this idea of anxiousness. Um, I read a chapter from Charles Swindoll in a book called Getting Through the Tough Stuff. And on his anxiety chapter, he just made a few points. So I'm just going to hit on him. He said this idea, anxiety is the painful uneasiness of the mind that feeds on impending fears. And so there may be a fear, but then we continually go to it after one after another, and it builds in us. And that's what anxiety does in our lives. He says, anxiety highlights the human viewpoint, and it strangles the divine, and so we become fearful. Fearful. And when we're full of anxiety, we're often not trying to look at things through God's viewpoint. We're only seeing it through our own viewpoint, and it becomes even bigger, like fearful, more overwhelming, because we forget that we're not alone. As he talked about anxiety, he said it chokes our ability to distinguish the incidental from the essential, and so we get distracted. And so what happens is, again, something can happen, and because of this anxiety, we start going down certain paths that we focus on these little things, and we get bogged down with things that didn't matter to begin with. And he also said, with anxiety, it siphons our joy, and it makes us judgmental rather than accepting of others, and so we become negative. Like, as our joy goes, like, we can't see other people for who they are, and we become critical, and it causes us to become unloving. And anxiety can have all these effects on our bodies. I like what Max Lucado said in his book, Be Anxious About Nothing. He said, we need to be alert to danger, but not live in a state of danger. Like you and I, we do need to know what's going around us, be cautious of those things, but we don't need to live this life full of fear and anxiety. And so, as we're talking about anxiety for the next few minutes, I actually want to look at it from two sides. Kind of like we had the coin at the beginning and there's a heads and a tails. I want to look at two sides here of anxiety. And the first side, I'm going to call it the spiritual side. All right, the spiritual side of anxiety. So what do I do with this? If you have your Bibles or your devices, open up to Philippians chapter 4. All right, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 8. And I will tell you that this text right here, when people are talking about anxiety, they'll typically look at a couple of these verses, but not all four of them. And I think that this whole section really is important. So Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, is what we're going to read here. And so this is what... Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord, he's near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, as I I read that, I look back to verses 6 and 7, because those are the verses that most people know from this section. In fact, Kindle has a way of being able to tell all of its you know, major sellers what the most highlighted things, highlighted statements in their books are. And in the Bible from Kindle, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 are the most highlighted verses out of the entire Bible. Be anxious about nothing. But man, let me give this in prayer and petition to God. Like those are the most highlighted verses. And so as it talks about don't be anxious, that is talking about, or it's written in a present active tense. And what that means is it's an ongoing statement. Paul can't just tell someone, hey, you shouldn't be anxious. Like you can't command a feeling. But he says you should not live in this state of anxiety that continually comes over and over and over. Instead, he says what we need to do is we need to start out by rejoicing. Like realize who God is and who we are, realize that he is near and realize that we don't have to handle it on our own, that we can give it over to him. And then even near the end, there's this question just to think about is, what do you think about? Like if you think about the moments that you really began to feel full of anxiety, where is your mind going? Like are you thinking about things that are good or are you thinking about the problem and letting it overcome what's going on in your life? You see, at the end, he says, what you need to be doing is thinking about things that are good and pure and lovely. And as I was thinking about this, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a person that is full of anxiety. Like, if you've been around me much, you probably won't see me get too upset very often. I kind of am one that can roll with the punches. And so even doing this sermon, I'm like, I needed to do a lot of study because I don't just feel like it's something that I struggle with a lot, except that this week there was something that happened. And again, I could feel it in my body, like later on during the day that, okay, I'm going to have to deal with this later at some point, but I didn't even know where it was going to go. And so that night, I lay down to go to bed, and it was probably an hour later that I realized that my mind had just been playing off all these possible conversations that could happen. Okay, not that have happened, but what if it goes here, and then here, and then here? But what if it's not this person? What if I need to talk here, and here, and here? So my mind went all these different places until finally, as I'm laying there, I'm like, hey, you're preaching on this this week. Remember that verse in Philippians? I need to give this to God. Like there's a spot to be prepared for whatever may happen, but there's also a spot where I've gone down the what if and what if and what if that something is way bigger than it ever needed to be. And so I simply said, God, this is all yours and let me do what you call me to do and you take care of it. I will tell you by the end of that prayer, I felt a weight lifted off. I felt this peace. And it's not just something that, hmm, I wonder where it came from. I look back at this scripture, and as I give it to God, he will give me peace. Not just peace from God, but the peace of God. And so my question, first of all, is we're dealing with our anxiety. Where are you looking, and are you offering it over to him? Another verse that I want us to turn to. Go to Matthew chapter 6. All right, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read verses 25 through 34. This is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's a section that in my Bible, it says, do not worry. You may have something else or something similar to that. I have written in there in my hand um, writing, it says, hakuna matata, because that's what I need to know at this section. Do not worry. No worries. But Matthew chapter six, what does Jesus say? Starting at verse 25. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father 
he feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Again, that text, that phrasing of don't be anxious, don't worry, it's the same Greek word, means don't be perpetually worrying. Like these things that you need, don't spend time worrying about them because God takes care of you. Just take a step back and look at how he's taken care of you up to this point and what he will continue to do. Someone in dealing with this subject said, you know what, if you're in this spot where you're trying to figure out a need, don't start by looking at the physical things you have or the physical things you don't have. Start by looking at Jesus, knowing that he's there. I mean, think about this. In the feeding of the 5,000, you have Jesus here, but you've got five loaves and two fish. You'd be like, well, what do we have? That's all we have. What do we not have? Enough food for 5,000 people. What are we going to do? But we have Jesus, and he's going to help us with this. And in those spots, instead of allowing anxiousness to take over, may I look to him and go, he's got this. Seek first his righteousness. Continually follow after him, and God will watch out for you. I'll tell you one more verse. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. We've seen what Paul said. We've seen what Jesus said in his own words that have been recorded for us. And so in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, there's this one little verse. And it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So he's not downing anyone who's struggling with anxiety. He's like, nope, but this is what you should do with it. First of all, you need to cast it. Make an intentional effort to give it to God. And then he says, cast all. Not just some of it. Not just here's the big things, here's the little things, here's the things that I'm not controlling. I'm going to give it all to you. And one of the things that I read this week is, you know what? Even if you feel like your entire life is like, oh man, it's messed up. It's causing me great anxiety. Start listing off the things. God, this is what I need to give to you. This is what I need to give to you. And as you do that, you'll realize that maybe it's not quite as big as you once thought it is. It's a little more manageable. And yet even in, in saying that, God can control it. And so cast it all on him because he loves you. He's not just gonna sit back and go, let's see what you've got figured out. He's gonna come alongside of you and help you with that. You know, as I think about this word anxious, like the Greek root word comes from this idea of being distracted or being divided. And so in a moment that maybe you're feeling anxiety, could you stop, first of all? Just kind of focus, not be divided, and simply give it over to God. I need maybe to remind us that day-to-day life isn't just day-to-day life, but you and I are amongst a spiritual battle. And so we don't just need to pray after something's going on. God, I'm feeling anxiety right now. I give this to you. What if we did it on the front side too and said, God, will you fight this battle with me? Or even better yet, will you fight this battle for me? And will you allow me to just come and be in refuge in you? Will you be that as you have promised? And he will. 
you know what? There's a lot of times that we're, we're not going to be able to live this stress-free life. Like, we can't just eliminate anxiety, but we can learn how to cope with it. Like, how do we deal with it when it comes on us? And Max Lucado wrote, the secret to less anxiety is less about doing and it's more about abiding. Man, with all this anxiety, it's less about, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. But what if I simply draw near to God and let him take care of it? So as we're talking about anxiety, I told you there's two sides of things. So there is a spiritual side, and where do I think? Where do I give all this to? But if I flip the coin over, there also is a clinical side of anxiety. Okay, there's a clinical side of anxiety because our brain chemistry is affected. There are neurochemicals that can become dislodged, and so we begin to feel anxiety. In fact, 31% of Americans in the United States have some sort of anxiety disorder. All right, an actual disorder. And there's all sorts of symptoms where you have this rapid heart rate or profuse sweating or shortness of breath or loss of appetite or dizziness or fainting or sleeplessness or tremors or shaking and all those kind of things that are physical things that it's not just God, I'm trying to give it to you. I'm still struggling with this. And even with the clinical side, there are some physical things that we can do to help lower the amount of anxiety that we feel. Like one of the things that you and I can do is we can go to therapy. We can talk to someone who is able to ask the right questions to, again, help us with some of those root issues and not just the symptoms. Sometimes, again, what our uh, anxiety comes from is that we're not taking care of our bodies and so we need to exercise or we need um, to sleep right, like make sure we get the amount of sleep that we need and those things will actually help us to feel less anxiety. You know what? Maybe it's the amount of screen time that you're on, especially right before you go to bed. That can have a physical effect on our bodies. Maybe what it needs to be for you is that you need to learn to say no. Like you just say yes to everything because you don't want to put anyone down. Or There's a lot of good options. But by not saying no, you continue to put more and more on your plate. And so to help with that, I need to learn to be able to say no. Another physical thing that actually can be helpful is certain medications. And I say that because sometimes you'll hear people in a church go, well, you can't do any of that. It's all about faith. And, and that's not true either. There is a spot where I think sometimes people jump to medicines too quickly and don't, again, get to the root issue. Oh, but there are plenty of times that I think God's got things figured out that we need to have part of this. And so that is something that can help us on a long-term basis as we're struggling with anxiety. There are also some things in the moment. Like if you're having like this anxiety attack, what are things that you can do? One is you can focus on your breathing. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where someone said, well, you just need to calm down. I'm sure that helped you, okay? But on the flip side, if you just begin to breathe and focus on your breathing, it allows your body to calm down. Or even muscle relaxation. And so what you can do is you can tense your muscles up and then let it down. And tense them up again and let it down. And if you focus on that, like it's been said, your body cannot be in a state of anxiety and relaxation at the same time. And as you do that, your body will calm down. There's even something now that you can put your hands in ice water, and it will again begin to physically help your body to calm down. And so I tell you these things, all right, not because I'm an expert in this area, but I will tell you that there are physical things that we sometimes have to do because of anxiety. And I want to go back to this idea that sometimes there have even been well-meaning Christians that have gone up to someone who's struggling with anxiety and just said, well, you're not spiritual enough. Like, you know what? If you trusted God more, you wouldn't feel this at all. And if that has ever been you, like you have been told that, man, I'm so sorry. Like, we as Christians need to make sure we don't have pat answers for things and realize the depth of what may be going on. 
Maybe no one's ever told you that, but you've just been in a situation, you're like, I even understand this is illogical in this moment, but I'm still struggling with this. It doesn't make you any lesser of a person. Remember that anxiety is not a sin. And think about Jesus. Even before going to the cross, he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and you don't think he felt anxiety as he was praying? This weight of the world, that sweat, you know, blood is coming from him because of just what is about to happen, and he's feeling the weight And yet he prayed to God, he gave it over to him, and God came and assisted him. He didn't take him out of the situation, but he came and he helped him. And the truth is, when you and I struggle with anxiety to whatever level, God will come alongside and he will help you too. I don't know what side of the coin that maybe you struggle with anxiety, but understand that God is there to help you through it all. And you know what? Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at these different storms. Like we talked about anxiety today, but we talked about grief and loss. And we talked about addictions and family relationships. We talked about politics and we talked um, about weariness. And in all of those, as Cameron said last week, we are anchored to Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're not going to still feel the storm, but we're anchored to him. And in all those things, you and I, we can have hope. We can have hope. The reason is because it is not based on us. It is securely based on Jesus. If you go back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this Anchored in Storm series, that whole first sermon was it starts with Jesus, it ends with Jesus. We continually have to look to him. And so when we're anchored to him, it's not just am I going to work harder, but I know that he's got this. My own salvation is not am I doing enough good things in a day. It is that I am anchored myself to him because all of those things are not based on me, but it is based on the finished work of the cross. And we can be confident in that. And so no matter what the storm is, may we focus on him. If you think about Peter, he got to walk out on the water amongst a storm. Everything was going well until he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at the storm. Let us not focus on whatever storm that you and I are going through, but may we keep our eyes locked in on him and he will help us through those things. And so today we're actually going to give you a chance to just respond, to spend time with God in some different ways. Like we're going to have two songs going on here and then we're going to have a time for communion and then we're going to have two more worship songs. And part of you connecting with him is going to be singing. Part of of connecting is you're going to just be quiet and listening to words, whatever you feel like. But one option that we want you to be able to have is up here, we have different buckets and every single one of them is anchored to the cross. They are chained to the cross. And there's a whole bunch of rocks here. And what I would encourage you to do is at some point within those four songs to come up here and take a rock. And I want you to pray over this rock. And that rock can represent whatever storm you may be going through. Maybe it's something with anxiety. Maybe it's something with a family struggle. Maybe it's something just with weariness. And I want you to pray over that rock. And at some point then, drop it in one of the buckets. We had people doing it real quickly. We had people taking it back to their seats last night. It doesn't matter. Whatever you need just as that connection with God and this physical, God, I am letting this go. I am giving it to you. And I'm staying anchored to you. For some of you, the response is going to be like, you know what? I feel like I'm anchored to Jesus and those things aren't just the things that weigh me down. Maybe what you do is you come up and take a rock and you simply say, God, I continually want my life to be connected to you and I, can, and I drop it in. For some of you, you have never given your life to Christ. You've never become anchored to him, but you want the hope and you want the security that can only be found in him. And maybe what you need to do is come up and pray over this rock and say, God, this is my life and I give it to you. 
And I would encourage you, if you do that, that I'd encourage you to go to the prayer room and talk with someone. What does this mean for my life? What is my next step? What does that look like? Because we want to come alongside and help you. And I get you maybe in the middle of a row. I can guarantee the people on the end will not mind moving for you to be able to get out. For those of you guys at home, maybe you find something to be able to drop there. Or maybe in the comments section, you simply type in, drop to rock. You know what? Our prayer room is going to be open this entire time. Our desire is that you spend time with Jesus. And whatever the storm is that maybe has you weighted down, you completely give it over to him. Say, God, I want to be anchored to you because he is the one that allows us to overcome. He is the one that is our firm foundation. He is the one that will give us victory time and time again. It is not based off you. It is based off of him. And to him, we are going to sing and worship and spend time with. So will you guys stand as we do that?